My name's Dustin. My name's Sylvia. I'm Bob. And I'm James. And this is... Movies Against Time. Right, it was Bob's pick that won in the Twitter polls, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. By one vote. In all fairness, it was only five votes. <laughs> and I so voted against it, but here we are. Yeah. John Carpenter's The Thing. And that was an 80s horror classic. Yes. All right, all right. Is this a first time for anyone seeing it? No, I actually saw it, what, last summer, and I was cringing through the whole thing, screaming at the TV, <laughs> don't kill the dog, don't kill the dog, get away, and I left, I was not And happy. then like 10 minutes later, she's like, <laughs> kill the dog! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kill the fucking dog! Everybody was. <laughs> this is actually a good pick, Bob, I enjoyed this yeah. film as a... Is anybody else rooting for that dog that was trying to chew his way through the cage? Right. Right. <laughs> he was thinking I felt ahead. so bad for them. <laughs> and the safest sure. thing to do is to just off all the dogs. I get that, but it sucks <laughs> yeah. to show it to us. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, no dogs were harmed. You know, <laughs> yeah. That's the important takeaway. I watched one implode, so <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was the 80s. It was a different time. That's for sure. <laughs> Before we get into it, though, I just... I really want to point out how wrong critics were on this film. Oh, yeah. They were super, super negative in their reviews. They they panned it out. It almost in John Carpenter's career. He it definitely a, yeah. it, it lessened his career for the future, and it undeservingly. I yeah, I don't understand why. It's a good movie. This was intended to be a multi-film deal. There was supposed to be more about this alien there's supposed to be more about what it absorbed and how it was going to affect the world that we know. But people even as notable as Roger Ebert just really just didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. they tossed it. Yeah. Yep. But it did have the bad luck of coming out the same time as E.T. did. Yeah. E.T. was a, like a mega blockbuster. Right. And the thing <laughs> is a far better movie. Yeah. I hate E.T. Ooh. Sorry, people. I hate it. <laughs> you you might have liked the planned sequel. We talked about it before. <laughs> oh, yeah. You told me there was a planned sequel for There you. are certain movies that are just, um, you know, beloved. And I feel like I'm not allowed to talk about it because I have the opposite opinion. And E.T. is one of them. Yeah. It didn't come out when I was the age for it. And by the time I had watched it, it was boring. No, yeah. I didn't feel for the lizard guy. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I know it's wrong. It's the it's the wrong opinion <laughs> according to everything. But it, well, it's you not know, one I revisit. The kids Obvious. are just boring. It was it was a different time. I mean, I grew up in the '90s, so like ET did not reflect anything that I, I could think identify had, with. And it that was movie weird. had three theatrical releases. Yeah, <laughs> it was in theaters three you separate done times. The first time. <laughs> you know, what that movie needs is like right when uh, some Goonie like power. <laughs> <laughs> right when Elliot's in the hospital bed and E.T.'s in that capsule and they're both dying in that flower, and then it starts to come back, Kurt Russell needs to bust into that room and stomp that flower out. <laughs> yeah. Light it on fire. It needs something. It's so boring. And then Will Smith does the blinky thing and everybody forgets. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody yeah. just forgets. I bet you he wish he had one of those back in the Oscars the other day. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't that have been nice. He shows up in his jet from Independence Day. 
<laughs> Takes out the alien ship. <laughs> this film, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed it. I've seen it at a very early age, and it's just been a constant in my life ever since. And to me, I see why it's a cult classic and why it's got such a fascinating story that others don't have. Because for one thing, there's no man in a suit. There's no dude yeah. that's walking around acting like the thing. The thing is a thing. Yeah, yeah it's not. Yeah, it's not just somebody in a suit for sure. <laughs> I think that was John Carpenter's pitch and yeah. one of his just no give on. There have been like no other movie monsters like that before, really. Yeah, exactly. He wanted to really branch out and do something different from what he did and what others were doing, too. Yeah. Carpenter shows genius in this movie, and it is just overpassed because the gore was just too much for audiences. Ugh. Yeah. There, that was, it still that's, makes that's one of the things cringe. that causes to take a big hit. There was a point in this movie that I picked up on, and it it is so masterfully done. It is When you talk about suspense, <laughs> this is a master class. Yeah. It is the first time we get the inside looks at one of these things. It's when they bring it back. Look what we found at the Norwegian base. So oh, yeah. Bag it up. Let's bring it back to the guys. It's just like a mutant two-person atrocity. <laughs> but we get like a real good view of it. You know, they cut it open and everybody's just quiet. And yeah. the music, this, the score is just almost just a ringing bell that's, that you can barely hear. It's Kubrickian, yeah. the music. You, you just seen the, the wildest thing. And this music is just keeping you in a state where you're almost dazed out. It pans up from the, the creature on the table to Kurt Russell's face. And he's just staring at everyone. And then we cut to... uh the, the dog's face. It's before the dog even changes. Okay. And yeah. he's yeah. kind of looking on. And it's still just that, that low background music. No, 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 no talking. No music, really. It's just like a ringing. And then it cuts to windows on the, on the radio. And Copper walks up behind him and squelches the radio to kind of snap him out of it. And it snaps you out of it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the movie's back. And it, <laughs> it's just this crazy atmosphere he achieves in this 30 seconds of this movie that it, it belongs in a Kubrick film. Like it is, yeah. it is masterclass suspense. But no, Ebert's just like, yeah, it wasn't imaginative. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't see the movie, bro. <laughs> the yeah. worst thing is, is that the score that you just praised, it got a Razzie award. It was essentially a meme at the time of release. Like they said it was the worst music they've ever heard in the movie. sound yeah. effects add so much. When those little noodle tentacles come out of the creature. <laughs> They're silly looking. If you turn the sound down, those are stupid. They're wacky flailing arm little water noodles. But with the sound, with the whipping sound, the whoosh, whoosh, yep. they, it just adds such violence to them that they're terrifying. And it's yep. the sound doing it. And that's another time we can talk about Carpenter just nailing it with the sound adding to the movie. And for those who don't know by now, John Carpenter's just had a long list of amazing films. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's given us so much good horror. I mean, from dusk till dawn. Can we all just agree that's the best vampire movie ever? I can agree. It's a Robert Rodriguez film. <laughs> Wait, is it? He didn't do from dusk till dawn. <laughs> no, that's, that's oh, I was super inaccurate there. Good for me, right? Because that's the one that has Tarantino in it, right? <sighs> yeah, yeah, that's Rodriguez. Okay, yeah. I didn't mean to shit all over you like that. No, no, because no. it is. He did do a vampires one. It was it one of the Salem slots he did. He did have one called Vampires. That's John Carpenter's Vampires. That's yes, probably just that's what I was a, thinking about. That might about. be what you're thinking of, yeah. yeah. That was 1998, I just found it. <laughs> it was the shittiest way to correct you. Uh, I know Robert Rodriguez has a film named Dustin. <laughs> Sorry. Do we have an idea? He did another one. He did two vampire Let's cut movies. My part another one, another one yes. Editor's note. Prince of Darkness, too. Prince of Darkness. Ooh, does that have Scott Bakula in it? Uh, 
No, I don't see him. Never mind. He also it's did got Donald do, Pleasance in it. <laughs> he did do Big Trouble in Little China, though. Yes, of course. Christine. <laughs> That's not really on the level with these, but uh, another one, another horror. A lot of people don't know John Carpenter was involved with. It's a little movie called Halloween. Yeah. Oh, I think <laughs> I've heard about that one. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard of that one? It's based on a night. Oh, that was the I one that was. Uh, it, it was at like Camp Crystal Lake or something. Yeah, right? yeah, Crystal exactly. Lake. Where, where they fell asleep <laughs> and like they got murdered by a doll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's just shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> All inaccuracies aside, this this is just such a fantastic suspenseful film. While there was a lot of gore, the moments you were really clutching yeah. to were just who's going to change. Who's not the same among us? Oh, What's yeah. going on yeah, here? It's a, it's a whodunit in a yeah. way it becomes. And you're looking for clues. And it's beautiful. I don't know if I'm reading into it. And I just really watched this movie too hard this time. But it's beautifully done to where the, the when you find out who is infected, they are acting like you would if you were not infected. They're brilliant. <laughs> and then there's a point when, when we're trying to figure out who it is. It's right before... The first test they try to do when they're going to do the mix the, the blood with the uncontaminated blood to see if there's a reaction. Yeah. Right? Which it's a failed test. It didn't end up working. But when, when they're setting it up, McCready is standing in front of a poster, like a, just a pop trade poster of a lady. And over the top, it says they're not labeled. And it, it, it's kind of a hint to like, they're, they're not the ones you think they are. Cause at the whole beginning of the movie, we just know Clark is. Something's wrong with Clark. I don't know what he's doing with them dogs, but there's something different about Clark that nobody else got going on. Clark being the youngest member on the base attached himself to the dogs. He became their handler. He cared more about their well-being than the well-being of his fellow crew. That's how it should be. They're the one that's going to have to travel you everywhere you need to go. You need to... They have helicopters. Okay, the helicopter was taken out. The dogs were taken out because they were chances way of transportation and we're forgetting about the best star of the film which was jed and jed was the alaskan malamute that was the first dog that was quote unquote the thing yeah he became the three-headed version (laughs) but jed was a good boy jed's a powerhouse uh the best star of the film when when you said jed i was upset because i I thought you were gonna say keith david no, oh, Keith David Chad. was uh, fantastic star. too. Agreed. But. Now the the actual breakout star of this film, and I don't care what anybody says, is Kurt Russell's hat. <laughs> Kurt Russell's hat <laughs> takes up more screen time. That thing eats the scenery. It is it takes up more screen foot footage. Explosive. <laughs> he was so unhappy about this hat. What is that hat? I don't even. I mean, everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? It's obscene. Like if you could picture a sombrero, but make it too big. <laughs> the crazy part is, why does a pilot in the Antarctic need the hat? Yeah, the the fifty gallon hat. Yeah, we get it. He's a cowboy of some sorts. He's a yeah. he's a rough, tough guy, you know. But, but I don't even think cowboys were wore that. <laughs> I can't stress enough that it is the hat from Dumb and Dumber that Jim Carrey wears. <laughs> yes. It's so ridiculously large. <laughs> I still say it was helping keep the sun out of his eyes. Maybe I think it, they needed something so big to cover up a, a hat they actually put there, and they just put that over it. Now, a little context for the listeners is we actually have the film playing and. I think one of the best openers is when you see that helicopter land and then they're scrambling. They throw the grenade down. I love that. Shit's exploding. <laughs> What's going on? They're shooting at the people that are just standing there holding whiskey bottles and all kinds of different stuff. 
it turns up to 11 real quick. Oh, yeah. You have like five <laughs> minutes of ambience. You see the Antarctic. You see all the cold, the isolation. So you know it's just kind of got that creep factor to it. And then, boom, these guys are just going hard. Yeah. It's a good point to bring up how, how this movie opens up. Because nowadays, I was thinking about this when I was watching it. We had a really hard time, Sylvia and I, getting everyone's <clears throat> names right. Yeah. Because not only is there like 16 main cast, but they're not called by like one name each. Everyone's got a first, a last, and a nickname. And they get called them randomly Multiple throughout times. the whole. Yeah. I thought Doc was Blair. It is confusing <laughs> for sure. But I, I don't even care because nowadays, uh, Kurt Russell would be being introduced to the base. We would be on his first day It'd and he would so literally be walked through the entire base room right, by yeah. room. This is. This is Childs. He works on this. And we didn't know he'd wave or do his little thing. Now we know Childs' personality. And it would just be this dumb cut and paste way every movie introduces every character. Yeah, we might know their names, but I love that it's its own thing. Now, they apparently tried to release a version where they had backgrounds on each character. John Carpenter shut that down because they actually released oh, yeah. those videos. Right. So they're kind of a rarity to find out there where you have different scenes of these guys in their environments and they're probably talking a little bit about themselves, where they come from. Which probably takes away from the movie. That's what John Carpenter felt. Thank God. He knows, <laughs> he knew what he was doing back then. Way, way before, they say, you know, they say, oh, he was just before his time. They, literally, this movie is just before its time. I hate gore fest movies. I will not watch Saw, Hostel. I, right, I saw the yeah. first ones and we're like, I don't need to see the next seven. Because I've never been into just, oh. They all have the same formula. They're just going to try and top what they did yeah, last just time. just be grosser yeah. and worse. Even gore. though this movie is gory, I wouldn't call it a gore fest. It's not a gore It's It's more interesting to look at when the dog turns into a flower beast monster <laughs> than it yeah. is to watch a, you know, some psychopath cut someone's eyeball out on screen <laughs> to, to scare me. It's not scary. <laughs> yeah. This is scary. The body horror is is there's there's scary gore and then there's just shock gore. Yeah, this yeah. is not the shock the shock gore. Yeah, this is this actually... has a place in the film with the suspense. Right, right. Yeah. It all has a role to play and they all complement one another. Right. I mean, when we watch and we see the characters right now in the radio room, how they're just interacting with each other. Just the randomness of, you know, Nas <clears throat> roller skating through the hallways, having that distinctive <laughs> characteristic about himself, but not. Pushing that, you know, it's not like a horror movie where he's going to die because he's wearing roller skates. It, it is a, <laughs> yeah. Now, it is a little ridiculous when Nalls just kind of cruises by and is like, maybe we're at war with Norway. <laughs> like, no, Nalls. I truthfully think things randomly pop out of his mind because he's smoking all the time. I don't know why he's smoking, but he's smoking all the time. And weird I remember things him come from out. another movie and I can't place it. So, you know, he is... He's one of the more carefree. He's the cook on there. He's got like yep. probably the most laid back job. He's just got to prepare their meals. Everybody else has a more intense level. We have a doctor. We have a biologist, a bunch of different people that have very specific jobs that require them to have sharp skills. He can sit back and light up and cook some beans. <laughs> I think the helicopter pilot might be the best job to have on base because they almost never use helicopters. <laughs> it's like you just kind of kick back for most of your time. Now, that's a question I had. What the hell are they studying at this research base? We never learned that. Yeah. Except that yeah. we learned the Norwegians were trying to find... We figure out what the Norwegians yeah. were up to. They were doing some business. The Americans are just studying the effects of, of vodka on snow because that's all they have is snow and vodka. <laughs> 
I was trying to figure out if it was like 36 different states had scientists randomly put around this area because they have 36 bases. They are outpost 31 too. So there are other ones in the Antarctic that are studying things. I think a lot of those scientific bases are there because Antarctic is mostly one of the most isolated countries on the planet. And there's Mm -hmm. so much minerals and different kinds of things to find there that could possibly, you know, further studies. It makes the most amount of sense because it's the one place on the earth that is not as populated. That's where they they explore plague viruses. And at the very start of the film, (laughs) we see the spaceship (laughs) coming to earth. Yeah. But it doesn't tell us when it came to earth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, again, that's a complaint I have about this movie. And there's like two. And that's one of them. Yeah, I don't like that. So, um, in John Carpenter's The Thing 2011, which was the prequel that explains basically the fate of the Norwegian scientists that lead up to basically McCready finding them. Yeah. uh, They explain a little bit more about what they found. Okay. And they studied it, and then the thing developed. Right. In my opinion, when McCready, and I think it's... I forget the group. I have it all written down if we were actually... Uh, I haven't even opened my notes yet. But (laughs) when McCready finds the ship in the snow, should be the first time we see that ship. I think we should... It should be left... It's the same problem I have with Predator. Why do we need to see the spaceship in the beginning of the movie? Right. I think this one... Well, Predator was more... That ship coming down was current. That's what was happening while we were watching. Yeah. This this was... I mean, once they do find the ship, you realize it was way long before that thing came. They down. don't hold your hand, really. They 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 put out everything you need to know about the lore of this movie in this movie, but without throwing it in your face. Yeah, like, it didn't need. You didn't need. To we see learned the ship. that's a thousands and thousands of year old ship that they found, and, yeah. and they dug up a, a, some sort of body. Yeah, we don't need to see the the CGI. Although it, it, also, it looks fine for eighty two. I'm not saying it looked bad. I just yeah. I think it's more interesting to not know what's going on until you see the spaceship that looks just like the Millennium Falcon. In the <laughs> yeah. I think it's beautiful how they did set it up though, because one, we don't have to know all these characters' backstories. We don't have to know the layout of the base. <clears throat> right. We just know they're there. They're doing shit, and then it goes sideways when a helicopter lands and blows up. Yeah, yeah. Carpenter has interesting ways to set the. Uh, like landscape for instance when when you're going from the rec room let's say to the kitchen they don't do that cut and paste scene we talked about where you have to be walked through the entire base to know everything's location but we have Nalls listening to music in the kitchen I forget what what song is he listening to Uh, Superstition yeah so then we cut through the different areas and and the, the music is louder or quieter depending on what area we're looking at when we're in the rec room you can barely he- hear the music playing and that's him setting up the the you know geology of the base yeah and it's beautiful yeah so i mean there there's so many cool little nuances to that and to, to just I, I, i'm just so mad about the critics thing you brought up earlier this movie <laughs> really did bomb and it's like no one watched this movie yeah and then what happens straight to video it causes a reevaluation of the film, and then all of a sudden, these very same critics that panned it, yeah, beat it into the dirt, and said it's not good enough, are now like, "This is a cultural masterpiece." Well, there, there are certain <laughs> points where Siskel and Ebert are kind of a meme about that. They'll just dog a movie, and then the sequel comes out, and they're like, "Man, we really liked the first one, but this one sucks." And then the sequel to that one comes out, and they're like, "You know, one and two were good, but like they." They I set the tone. What they said. Yeah. I think, I think <laughs> yeah. Ebert's negativity came from the the gory part of this movie. Yeah. I think he just. Can't. I think so too. And it's crazy. He I just, almost he just can't handle it. I almost <laughs> always agree with Ebert. Yeah. I, I'm always on his side on that. 
And he just missed it. Yeah. He looked at one point of the film. Well, what was the other one? There was another movie came out. Was it same year? Wasn't it uh, Blade Runner? Blade Runner came out. The that same was another year. like a sleeper hit. There, there oh, was... they hated it in theaters. Yeah. They didn't like any of the tone about it. And honestly, you look at any greatest movies list, Blade Runner and the Thing are on there. Yeah. They're they're high up in the ratings. Some people put them at the top five spots. Sometimes they're top ten. But either way. It shows that these films are just, you know, initially hated. They're not understood. And <laughs> or, then, or they're just released at the wrong time. Yeah. Or, or yeah. they had to go up against something else that was a major blockbuster. Yeah, all the articles surrounding its release and its reviews all come back to the same point of, like, E.T. was a huge hit prior yeah, yeah. to that. So people were more into friendly aliens and adventures with little children. Yeah, rather than aliens that yeah. explode your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or eat your hands. I think yeah. I missed that part of my life where I was supposed to be happy about <laughs> nice aliens and nice monsters. Yeah. yeah. I loved Men in Black. I just did not care for E.T. Oh, I love Men <laughs> yeah. in Black with that little baby monster or alien <laughs> at Wide Eyes. I swear my daughter In the traffic like jam? Oh, <laughs> loved that her. That's the cutest little alien baby. <laughs> I swear. It's like, Zap I know we all in this room just like saw her. that alien baby for a second. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, just to touch back on the beginning, I, I really got a kick out of the fact that you got the Norwegian with the, like, high, I, I'm not really a gun guy, so I don't know what he's shooting, but he's got some sort of high-powered scoped rifle, and I get maybe he misses because he's riding in the helicopter, but he takes about 20 shots at this dog <laughs> and misses all of them. You don't even see snow bouncing up around the dog. Right. Lands the helicopter, and now I'm like, okay, you, you're going to hit the dog, right? Why else would you have this gun? <laughs> you had to have shot it once. And no, misses like 14 more times, and then <laughs> Copper comes out of a some room, breaks the window, and shows us just the efficiency of a snub-nosed revolver <laughs> by headshotting him from like a mile away. Yeah. What is this movie? They do not understand guns. And I don't understand guns, well, but I know they're wrong. Primarily, they're scientists. I don't, I don't think anybody on there was really military trained. There's no prior knowledge to that. Even in right. the remake, I can't honestly remember them being like all military trained know how to handle a gun yeah i said copper i meant gary again these are hard names <laughs> gary, gary was the his ex-army officer yeah so he should have been able to hit him dead right <laughs> no not with that gun well that gun though but he should have and been able to. in the antarctic where there's unpredictable winds like all the time yeah. <laughs> yeah if i were to guess if anybody in this whole group was military trained it was kurt russell's character they it, led that it, it, almost, on. it almost seems like he's like they're there to keep everybody safe. They led that on. It was supposed to be in one of those uh, releases of the film where they gave background. Yeah. They had a whole thing where he was some sort of ex-military. Yeah. He was running away from his problems. You know, that kind of grizzled, you know, approach. Yeah, he didn't seem like one of the scientific characters. <laughs> no, he's a helicopter pilot. Yeah. And we don't see a background on him even in the script we have here. Yeah. It's, it's helicopter pilot, likes chess, hates the cold. The pay is good. <laughs> I yeah. feel like she should have been like, loves the alcohol too. Everyone loves the alcohol. I don't see how science gets done. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't. It is just rotten with alcohol in that face. <laughs> Kurt Russell, now he was just kind of a Disney kid star, right? Before this movie. Did he have any big hits before the thing? Before the thing, I, I can't tell you that. I know Carpenter uses them for Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from, Escape LA. from LA, and New York. Yeah. yeah, I just don't remember what, what where those come out, or if this was the first time Carpenter used him. 
Yeah, I never looked that. Escape far from into New it. York was the year before this. Okay, so they knew this guy they have here is a. They knew it was a good fit. Big Trouble in Little China was four years after this. I mean, when you look look at his character in this, he is very calculated in his approach. He shows the greatest range of head accessories. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he has just the wildest hair. There are points where he runs in a room and looks like one of like the drummer Muppet from the band, <laughs> and then all different goggles, glasses, hats, hoodies. I he just goes through the whole range of, of different accessories he can wear. I think my favorite is when his hair turns to life after coming out from the cold. It's all frozen, sticking yeah. up everywhere. <laughs> yeah. As the movie goes on, hit the makeup on, on Russell looks amazing. He, he just <laughs> looks like a man that is about done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, this was actually filmed in part of uh, British Columbia and Canada. And Outpost 31 is actually still there. Oh, yeah? There's, there's a claim that two people who were fans of the film trekked all the way there they found a piece of like one of the monsters they blew up <laughs> and they have it in their horror memorabilia collection now so like they have a legendary status item that was just abandoned that's awesome if i want were to want a piece for this movie it would be the upside down head spider <laughs> oh my god that thing is horrifying <laughs> I, I don't think i want to come to your house bob and see that like right on the coffee table as the that was like <laughs> like i saw this movie like right around when it came out and Without seeing it for years and years and years, that's the one thing that always stuck in my head was that, it's that, so good. that head spider. It's so damn good. <laughs> and the head spider is not even the worst thing about that scene. No, Arguably, no. the worst thing about that scene is the defibrillator. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he gets you so well because we see him pounding on the guy's chest, Norris. We yeah. see him pounding on Norris's chest trying With to wake him up. Seemingly having like a heart attack or something. Yeah, and then he gets the defibrillator and he hits him once. Yeah. And then we go and on to more dialogue. you actually see sparks from that thing. Did you notice that? No, I didn't notice that. I actually saw sparks under that pad. But they really let you mellow out. Like it's, you, you're not afraid anything's going to happen at this point. Yeah, it's yeah, not like yeah. set up suspense. And I loved Sylvia's reaction. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, because I knew it was coming. I'd watched it uh, a couple days. Or no, last night she had it playing and she fell asleep. Yeah. I don't know. I just had a weirdest brain problem. But <laughs> I'd watched it last night, and so I knew it was coming. And it's the second time he hits him with a defrib, and, and Sylvia just yelled. Ew! Like, ew! Like, he's disgusted, but in the most terrified, ew voice. Everyone. I want to see Sylvia jump from a horror movie. This wasn't a jump. It was like a disgusted terror. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was disgusting. Because she's like always like gravitates toward all the horror stuff. I know. She, play, you know, she talks a big game. She loves horror movies. She loves scary movies. Until you find a movie that is literally scary for her. And she doesn't yeah. want to watch it because it's scary. <laughs> Take clowns, for instance. Yeah. That is a legitimate fear. They're horrifying. <laughs> Why else do you watch horror movies? I, I don't like them because they're not scary. Clowns. I don't not doing clowns. I'm not doing something you literally have picked me up and tried to throw me at. Okay? Oh it's about the fantasy of the horror, not the accuracy. There's been, a lot of people that have like a, you've, a you've been thrown at a clown? He threw me at a clown. <laughs> Oh boy! Why That's not in my notes that? here. What page are you on? <laughs> let's let's dive into this. Let's go. We're yes. at the strawberry festival. There was one walking around. He just had to pick me up and like try to throw me into him. Oh, it was funny. It was horrifying. <laughs> it doesn't. It sounds like it's a fifty-fifty on that. <laughs> yeah, oh. it's all in a perspective. Huh? <laughs> wow, Dustin. I swear, if I could figure out how to. Throw you next to a sea monster, I would. But unfortunately, they're not real. Don't go to the beach with her. You're going to be chucked at a shark. And clowns are real? 
You're digging awfully hard through them notes. I just... What page are we on here? We're not. We're skipping all <laughs> You didn't even that. look at yeah. your notes half the time. No, I, I still have like eight pages. i just been looking at the front page. But isn't that the sign of a good film, to be honest? I'm remembering my notes. That's why. I'm sure I've yeah. covered half of this. I'm just remembering it as we're talking. <laughs> Randomly. Yeah. yeah. But as a horror fan, this this is just such a fantastic film. I never get sick of it, to be honest. I can just pop it on again and again and... I don't know. Find a new detail that I appreciate. You always catch something new to to, to check on, or you know, to, to focus in on. Yeah, like right now, this is the we did. infamous autopsy scene you yeah. mentioned, where they're just studying the creature. Yeah. They're pulling it out. They're finding that obviously there are elements that are not yeah. customed to Earth. We did we did the movie Alien. And we were talking about how great all the the chest burst burster the face hugger comes out yeah. of the guy's chest. There's a woman. There's a woman on a television in the show in the movie. It's a lady though. Yeah, we got ladies in it, and they're all attentively <laughs> watching. Yeah, because they're it's out. <laughs> they're there in mud. the in the sausage. And fresh, this scene right here, like where they're switching out uh, VHS <laughs> tapes. It shows again the isolation. They don't have live TV. Yeah, they're not watching. They candy. have pre-recorded shows and probably news programs. And that's Palmer right there lighting up. Just he's yes. high all the time. What was his job again? Palmer is he's the second pilot, I think. Second string chopper pilot, crack mechanic, long hair, slight sixties acid damage. Remember how? <laughs> remember how quick they're like? No, that's okay. You don't have to take us. I love that. Like, oh, he's like, I can fly. No. Oh, there was Jed. Try. We saw Jed on screen. Uh, uh, oh, there he goes. Fantastic now, action. a little fact about Jed is he was in a Disney production called White Fang. Yep. He had the co-star with a very early and young Ethan Hawke. That's pretty cool. <laughs> but, a wolf and a hawk? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. He had a good trainer. Leave it to Disney. I love how, like, when you catch him looking at things and thinking about things, you really feel like he has a very high mindset. Like, you don't think he's a normal Yeah, he dog. don't want to go into it. that cage. The word is, is that he <laughs> acted airily well for an animal on yes. a set. Like, this was a rarity of the animal doing it in less takes than the human oh, does yeah. for a 30 second. You can tell. We're he looking right really now good. at the scene where he's first introduced into the dog cage and yeah. the way he moves into that cage and lays down is so eerily not how a dog would do it. Yeah. Locked onto and that. And there's the dog. shadowing of his face as Clark's walking away. Clark can tell something's up too. He knows his animals. This is a yeah. foreign animal to, you know, his regular group. I my my thing is I think though all those dogs should immediately recognize that's not a dog. <laughs> yeah. I very, think they do. That's why they're not coming to sniff him, do the dog things of yeah. like okay. trying to communicate. They're all they're all watching. See? They're just yeah. watching. Yeah, see, there's the snarls. I think that's the only thing that really upsets me. Like this is like it's awesome. This part is Great how the dog's introduced and everything, and it turns into the flower face with all the dogs being upset. But I'm very disappointed how he just puts them in with them and just leaves because anybody that owns a dog knows the dog's going to get attacked. Usually when you leave it with a new group. How many dogs you know can chew through a wire fence? <laughs> I don't think you Not can many. domestically own one that can do such a thing. My rabbits <laughs> yeah. have been doing that. Yeah. <laughs> They do. Yeah. We've had to fix the cage three times now. I have to do it again. I know you Titanium do. teeth? What the hell? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they just they just hump and chew through all the metal. 
<laughs> it truthfully God. is. They are beautiful dogs. Yeah. Uh, Not anymore. No. Carpenter has never had a problem showing a dog die on screen. Yeah. Even Halloween. When yep. you, yeah. He hasn't gone as far as a baby, though, right? Usually it's just the illusion of kids yeah, I dying. I don't know of any babies doing Maybe it. Maybe Quentin Tarantino's done that. He's done a lot of awful he shit. He does that, but not in movies, I don't think. <laughs> like I think Halloween they had him going past the baby's crib and just kind of looking at him but he didn't do anything but it made you feel so creepy the idea they would yeah I think in Halloween too Michael Myers does walk through the infant ward and he is actually looking at the babies and different things yeah mm-hmm. he yeah. flirts with the idea but he doesn't right. actually it's too dark I don't like Bennings now what's your problem with Bennings Bennings is a subpar actor. <laughs> Judge, and, and only my, my expert opinion of his one 15-second scene, when he makes Clark put the dog in with the rest of the dogs, he's sitting there playing poker at the table and, and just out of nowhere, ah! yeah. you know, gives that little jump scare at the poker table. It's not oh, scary. Yeah. His eyes, his eyebrows, his facial expression doesn't change from, from playing his cards to doing his big, ah! And also, what did the dog do under your leg that's so scary? You, he's <laughs> Clearly, there the he's whole not day. fond of animals. I think that's what I picked up when I yeah. first saw him do his, that. His surprise didn't look surprised. It yeah. sounded surprised. He said his line. He didn't feel his line. I, I got think. it more as he was just annoyed <clears throat> yeah. or inconvenienced that something was brushing up against him. He's a crotchety old man on a base in the Antarctic. So <laughs> Was he the same one that got hit by the bullet? Or was that a different one? That was Bennings, wasn't it? I thought he got uh, hit by the bullet and he was yelling at the cook about turning the music down because I got hit. He was complaining yeah. about the music. He was crotchety through. Yeah, that is him. He's so, he such today. a crotchety old man. Yeah. <laughs> I was glad when he when he bit it. Yeah, he bit the dust. <laughs> and you kind of feel for Clark. I mean, obviously he cared about his animals, and but it drove him killed. to an irrationality. <clears throat> And he got himself killed in the process of just trying to yeah, get I revenge. I was I was catching a different vibe from Clark. Y- y- did you think Clark was a thing? I thought Clark was a thing before we found out there were things. <laughs> he acted so weird. He just even the so way that, standoffish because he's not doesn't like people. Even the way Doc ta- or was it Doc <clears throat> or Blair that, that's questioning him? How long were you alone with that dog, Clark? Yeah. Felt like he he's he feels like he's gonna get in trouble for doing other things with the dogs. And and that's what he was worried about. Well, I mean, they are stuck up. At there. this point, they did the <laughs> autopsy. They knew that the creature wasn't what it appeared to be. So now they're asking, like, oh, maybe he became part of it or he knew what it was and just didn't tell anybody and risked their lives. So now he's yeah. getting brought up on suspicion. But I also don't like Clark because his actions are not consistent. He he goes from taking McCready's side, wanting McCready to be the boss, pulling a, a knife on Childs for trying to take the revolver when it was leadership was being passed right. to make sure McCready got it. Yeah, and then is like, hey guys, let's listen to what you know McCready says and tries to stab him. <laughs> Mainly <laughs> because at that point he allowed Blair to live for killing all of Clark's dogs. Clark uh, was very pissed off. I missed that. whole He did not plot. want Blair. <laughs> Isolated. He didn't want him alive at that point. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he was very pissed. So when McCready was starting to take over again, he just said, "I have my chance. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stab this guy." Yeah, he's stab happy. <laughs> yeah. Of course, he's irrational. He's he's someone who prefers the company of animals over the company of humans. 
And when that happens, they get attached to their animals. They're like family members to a lot of people who love pets. So you can kind of understand his... I can completely yeah. understand. He's the one I relate to the most on this silly <laughs> planet. Of- he's it- also the youngest of the crew. Yeah, he's supposed to be 24. Yeah. Our Nalls is 22. Oh, Nalls is the youngest. Okay. Now, now Norris felt like he just appeared 30 minutes into the movie. Like, when they're talking about... when when. Gary, spelt with two R's, Gary, when when he's like, obviously you guys would feel more comfortable if someone else was in charge. He's like, Norris, I don't think anybody would complain if you take over. All I'm thinking is, where the fuck did Norris come from? I've <laughs> yeah. never seen this man. I even when, when you were watching it, I kind of piped in. <laughs> Norris, no one would complain if you take charge. And I'm just, oh, I just arrived in this movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I recognize that actor from other stuff, and I, I did. I did not remember he was in this at all. No. <laughs> It's like way late in the movie for me to be introduced to another character on this remote base. I have a huge problem the way they do things with this alien's body. Yeah. You should have face goggles on. Oh, yeah. A mask on. They don't even have gloves on when they're cutting their hands and stuff. And the way that, was it, Mac just holds the beaker. Like, the first time I see, the alien goes and kind of attacks and comes out of this blood solution. But for, he still for, does it for being a on the next of... time. <laughs> you yeah. you want to have that beaker on the table, put the thing in, and have somebody have a, the the rifle of fire ready to go. You don't do it right next to your jaw? <laughs> no, yeah. not right plus, next to your jaw. Plus, you're not doing this stuff all barehanded. You yep. need like, a ton of PPE. You know, at yeah. this point, <laughs> you, you do realize that he says the thing is every part of what it takes host on. Yes, which is so, really cool. It is kind of shocking at that point. He's not like just standing 16 feet away right. with that copper wire, just like poking and then backing up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was actually impressed because, you know, they, unlike Alien, which, and, and it makes sense because Alien was uh, almost a construction <clears throat> crew, a towing rig crew. They weren't scientists. Right. They, this they one acted more. This one, they, no, this one, I think they handle the situation very intelligently. Even right down to when they start burning the bodies and everybody stand back. Like they don't let anything go to chance. They handle it all very well, except they split up like it's. I would have let them burn a little longer. Yeah. Me too. They immediately put it out. Like, hey, give it a second. I know. (laughs) We're like, no, no, just hang on a minute. For the indoor burnings, it it made sense that they would let it burn a few seconds, put it out, because they're in a prefabricated building that's pressurized to a degree, even in the 80s for those bases. I'd still be watching the ceilings, make sure. (laughs) There is a note in the script here talking about what they're doing there. In the winter of 1982, these men were commissioned by the United States Natural Science Foundation to gather data concerning the physical and natural sciences on the continent of Antarctica. That is the most generic and vague explanation as to what they were doing there. It's still a vague explanation of what they're doing there today because, again, it's one of the most isolated places in in the world. And what all's there, we don't know. Oh, we're, not, we're not allowed to go there or you fall off the planet. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. Okay, that makes so much <laughs> Did sense. Did you know that? That's where they're seeding the future generations. They're it's gatekeepers. All... <laughs> I got you. I that's got where the black you. helicopters come from. Uh, yeah. Oh. That's where they're born. They they're have, yeah. That's where black helicopters are born. They, they're born <laughs> out of that big metal disc that they found up there. Yeah. Oh, Down there. That's Sorry. the mommy helicopter. Have you seen the pictures <laughs> yeah. of the ice igloos that have like beds made out of ice and it's so pretty inside it's like amazing i don't think i've seen anything like that honestly i never understood igloos why not you you have 
people building igloos and living inside of them, and they have fires inside of them. Okay. You have a fire inside of ice. <laughs> they should be melting. But Bob's they safe. should be sitting in a hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> that should be that should become a hot tub. Why does it not become a hot tub? There's science behind <laughs> that. I can't explain to you, but I'm sure it's science. The inner ice is insulated by the mid and outer ice. Why do you think fish don't die when the lake freezes, Bob? The ice that's in near direct contact with fire is keeping the rest of the ice cold. See, if you just ask these questions, makes the perfect sense. Tyson, instead of sending them dick pics. Okay, for the scientists oh, out there that know the answer to this question, please write in and tell us why yeah. our igloos do not melt. Somebody explain why campfires don't melt igloos. We need an Arctic expert who has built plenty of igloos and has a... I'm sure I could Google it right now, but I'm not in the mood. <laughs> That's a lot of effort. We don't want to take it. Yeah. Oh, but I accuse Robert Rodriguez of Google. filming from dusk till dawn, and we all rip our phones out and lose our minds. Google's been lying to me lately anyway. <laughs> oh, man. I, look, I, I, the I, I pulled up the cast for this movie, and it showed... What was it? Ashton Kutcher. It showed Ashton Kutcher was in this movie. And I'm not sure Ashton Kutcher was born when this movie came out. Maybe an executive <laughs> producer. We don't know. I love Child's line. When they do kind of just, look at that fucking hat. That is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, wearing the hat. Okay. It cuts such a silhouette, dude. I was wondering if he wore it the hat. It doubles as a tent. Yeah. It's awesome. He has his it's cartoonish. glasses on and then the hat to help the sun. It's They're watching wonderful. the part where they found the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love Child's line. It's my favorite line in the whole movie that he says, though. Oh, you don't expect me to believe any of this voodoo bullshit. And then he cu- <laughs> he like looks over at Palmer. Palmer, are you buying any of this voodoo bullshit? <laughs> he just keeps calling it voodoo bullshit. I just love that he does not believe this voodoo bullshit. It's, like, it's all around us, man. It's been here forever. When did yeah, aliens, aliens of the gods, did, man. When did aliens become voodoo? Hey, man. <laughs> How great. You know, I never realized he's the one that voiced Goliath from the Gargoyles. Yeah, oh, like man. I knew he had like an epic voice that is in a lot of stuff. But <laughs> now you talked about him being one of your favorite stars or characters of the movie, right? Yes. Yeah, Keith David is is quite the the actor. Yes, I think yes. he should have been a leading man. I think he, for some reason, just got looked over for a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Now skipping to the end, he lives in a sense. So it's kind of awesome to see that it's not just oh. you know one survivor yeah they're both kind of alphas in this film they're See, going back and forth at each other but I think, I think in a parallel universe he had samuel l jackson's career <laughs> <laughs> i think his voice is better than jackson's though he's pretty yeah it's pretty he, good <laughs> and he, hey that's a beautiful man as well i don't care what everybody says like yeah there we go he was in his prime here <laughs> you could tell. these are two beautiful men i can say that i have eyes <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why they both survived. They're like, these guys are just too beautiful to like have killed off. That guy, he can go. Palmer can go. Palmer's a pretty av dude, man. He's got <laughs> av dude status. Okay, me and Dustin have followed our sequence of events. What car are you going to label? Because there's no cars. Yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> Only two vehicles I've seen were a wrecked helicopter and uh Spaceship that looked like the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> I didn't think He's the cat in Coraline as well. Oh. Oh. <laughs> but I mean, his best voice acting is Spawn. He's Spawn in the Todd McFarlane cartoon on HBO. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. His voice is is pretty. We talk about Morgan Freeman, James Earl Jones, and we talk about like these epic voices, but no one brings yeah. up Keith David. 
And Keith David also voiced Keith David in the Saints Row games. Yes, yeah. he also voiced the president, Rick and Morty. Oh, yeah, who, he was the president. Who else would you ask to voice himself? <laughs> you ask somebody else to voice him, play, him. playing him? Wasn't there somebody <laughs> said they didn't sound like themselves and they couldn't play it? Yeah, I feel I, like there was. That we had brought it up before and they yeah, were denied. I, it might have been toward the last episode we did. I love this Atari that's doing some kind of super science. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like super slow asteroids. Players using a computer that like shows an Atari game, and then it also is like a probability machine that can know everything. <laughs> was it the guy in the Ghostbusters? The one that always gets kind of cut out oh, from the cartoons? Uh, from The Crow. What is his name? See, that's how bad it is. Bill Murray. <gasps> oh, I know. Damn it. His name's on the tip of my tongue. I can't get it out. <laughs> I got nothing. I don't know what y'all talking about. The Crow. He was the cop that helps out. Uh, Ghostbusters. He's the fourth Ghostbuster. Um, and they wouldn't let him be wait. the voice in the cartoon. For His name's the- on the tip of my Are tongue. Are you saying Ernie Hudson? Ernie yes. Hudson! Yes. Yes, God. Was he in The Crow? <laughs> yeah, he's the cop in The Crow. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I was just saying him because he got denied the cartoon voiceage for playing himself. He did. He he auditioned to play himself in the cartoon and got. Yeah, uh, I remember that. Who's the guy that had a talk show for the longest time? Arsenio Hall got the role. Really? Yeah. <laughs> they well, Ghostbusters is a whole nother topic. Yeah, we should revisit sometime. Well <laughs> worth revisiting. But anyways, they had a falling yet. out. They they had a lot of falling out. That, Ernie Hudson barely wanted to appear for any future films or projects. The video game he did appear for, but they they could barely get anything together for that. We're gonna take a momentary break. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's sneaking out of the room. Well, we heard the door squeak and it's it's done. <laughs> yeah. Somebody had to run to the little boys' room. <laughs> you know what I thought would have been a good twist? But everyone drank too much. Was out the alcohol made it where he couldn't take over his body? Well, they'd all be safe. That. I know that's what I said. You couldn't do it, oh. but I felt like that would have been a good one. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but like eight years ago or so, there was an Irish horror movie where the only way they could survive is if they stayed drunk. <laughs> really? Like the liquor actually that. stopped the body invaders from invading wow. them. The moment they sobered up, they were instantly taken over <laughs> it was a comedy horror movie so it, it was it was pretty fun but I, I can't remember the name of it for the life of me i just like that idea <laughs> give you a up. reason to be drunk all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> no consequences <laughs> yeah it doesn't matter you can't drive anyway because nobody ever tries to get in a car and leave <laughs> no i mean all their transportation was killed off they didn't even have heaters by the end of the movie. There's no generators. They're just going to die from the cold. Okay. It's from 2012. It was called Grabbers. Okay. Yeah. It was That's uh, cool. based on some sort of island off the coast of Ireland. Yeah, and these body snatchers came through and you have to... Hey, welcome back, Dustin. <laughs> oh, we heard the air conditioner being turned off as well. That wasn't really obvious in the headphones. You motherfucker. But yeah, you'll have to watch that one. That that was a good body snatching movie. Uh, Are we talking about Invasion of the Body Snatchers? No, we're talking about Grabbers. 
It is a 2012 film, and it's an Irish horror film where the body invaders can't invade your body if you're drinking. So you have (laughs) to stay drunk is the whole point of the movie. The moment you sober up, it takes you over, and you can't battle it. Yeah, it doesn't relate to this movie because everybody in this movie. If we had to pick a horror movie to live our lives (laughs) in, I pick Grabbers. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) I don't know how we got on it, but it reminded me of that, and it was pretty cool. I tried because everybody's drunk in this movie at all times. Yeah, that's what that's what Sylvia was saying right there. When I was looking up stuff for this movie, I found I can't find it again. I can't go back and find it again for some reason. That's why you see me on my phone earlier. But I found something where Carpenter said something about. That there was clues to who was infected. Yeah. But they were like the most subtle clues. Like And he like, threw in misdirection because like some a of certain this, like a certain glimmer in someone's eye. Yeah. Like the, where the light hit their eye just right and it shined mm, a little when bit. When they were calmer in certain yeah, situations yeah. than the others. Yeah, I uh like Palmer could be accused of that for sure before he turns. Yeah. Cause Palmer uh it's almost comical when when McCready comes back. See I I got red herring big time with Nulls. Yeah. I, I knew, and I've seen the movie, and still knew Nulls was the thing. <laughs> and that's how dumb I was. I've seen the movie. <laughs> but when Nulls, you know, I cut him loose. I cut the rope. I got rid of him. And comes back first. I thought he was, you know, I thought he was one of them. Yeah. And then, in that same kind of point in the movie, McCready breaks into the supply room window. And it seems like even the movie's trying to trick you into thinking McCready's the thing. But the only ones that actively try to fight against McCready coming back to the group are Palmer and uh, Nalls yeah, and Norris. And we know Palmer and Norris are infected. So, I don't know. I, I just was for sure Nalls was infected. It, it was so <laughs> weird, like a red herring. Yeah, it's kind of amazing how long this alien life form took. To figure out how to misdirect people in a party for its own survival. <laughs> that it's kind of shocking at, at what a fast rate it did that with each person. Yeah. And it learned enough of the habits of the person it was hosting or, or taking over to, you know, just point fingers in the, in the opposite direction. I feel like if it was like something like that, they should have put it. What a terrifying scene. I, I right know here. that moment in this movie. Like, that was a moment. <laughs> it's it's when Bennings turns and is running up, you know, away, and they run up to him, and he looks like Bennings, but his hands are pumpkin man hands or pumpkin head hands <laughs> yeah. or, or, or splinter. <laughs> <laughs> and he gives that screech. Yep. Sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah. I was going to say that I wish they had done something like, since they've known each other a, a while, I'm assuming by now. Right. Like, write down something they've only done like two or three years or whatever yeah. amount of time beforehand. Because I wanted to know if the monster had a way of connecting to the brain to remember things. And that always bothered me. Like, how would he know anything going on if <laughs> he didn't see it? Right. It is crazy. Uh, even in the prequel. They take more time to dive into the lore of the thing, but they don't necessarily talk about its intelligence level. It's just a fast adapting life form. It's a virus of sorts. It takes over. All it thinks about is its survival. And somehow its survival turns into, you know, taking over a host and... And when did they only have a certain amount of time in each body? Like they have. Yeah, seems it seems like, like their whole do. incubation period is quite quick. Yeah, like, like they- Norris <laughs> breaks down at some point. It seems like because you know you you would think mm-hmm. logically if it was a higher intelligent kind of creature, 
would just stay it, there. Yeah, it would stay inside of its host, play right. like nothing's wrong. Once they get to a, a wider spread amount of people, it would go berserk, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But obviously, it does seem to have a short shelf life because it is going from person to person. It has to be dark for them to do it. You know, interesting you use the word virus. <laughs> bother anybody else. <laughs> no. There's a character named Mac and a character named Windows in this movie. And Windows <laughs> attempts to use his flamethrower and fails and gets bit on the face. So essentially, Windows' firewall breaks down and get, it gets a virus. And Mac <laughs> makes it till the end. All I'm saying is John Carpenter <laughs> knows what's up. iPhones are better. Bam! <laughs> He was chilling with Steve Jobs before this, and he knew what was coming up, man. He, he knew where the money was. Yeah, this is just such a great film. There, there's so many freaking details to pick up on, and it's always fun. Yeah, the only two things I really had to complain about was the spaceship in the beginning, which is opinion. Yeah. And uh, if I said something else, I don't even know. There's that <laughs> Oh, I don't like Bennings, but that's not the movie's fault. It yeah. kind of. But. That's just good writing if you dislike a certain character, because they are a crotchety old man in the movies. You, you kind of, you know, get to that point. Of like, I don't even read him as a crotchety old man. I read him as like a 28-year-old dude, lost his hair early, and just kind of sucks at acting. <laughs> crotchety old man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fitting. It's fitting all that. The one I just liked was Norris. Norris. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't memorable at all. <laughs> I'm telling you, when they're like, Norris, no one will complain if you take over. He's just like, sorry, guys, I'm not up to it. Yeah. I was just writing him in the notes as not up to it guy. I didn't even. <laughs> yeah. he, he's like established 40 minutes in and he's just always been there. It doesn't help that everybody's always wearing such big, you know, face covering gear. and Yeah. Well, it led to the immersion of it because they're perceived to be in the Arctic. They're not like letting their pretty faces show because even in the prequel, you see more of the characters out in the snowstorm, not wearing head coverings or goggles or anything. Yeah. No, I like that. They add to the realism of it. I'm I'm not complaining about that. I'd rather have a hard time knowing their names and enjoy the movie than knowing everyone's (laughs) names perfectly and, and watching a cut and paste. Yeah. Yeah. One of the odd things about the movie would, I mean, a lot of it was filmed in LA on, on sound stages, and these guys are all wearing like snow suits and big furs and all this stuff. It cost them a lot they of money. Left, they they would go out on breaks in between scenes and walk right into a restaurant or a diner wearing these snow suits in ninety degree weather. And yeah, people are like freaking out, like what the hell is wrong with these people? Yeah, especially <laughs> I think the interiors were mainly part of the L.A. Uh, sound stages yeah, all, and stuff. Like ninety percent of the interior stuff. Yeah. So when when Blair is roughing up. The radio room, and he's shutting down communication, and he's screaming, that thing wants to be us! You think he wants to be a dog? All that. <laughs> Are we to believe he's infected then? I, I didn't. If, if that's what they were going for, I didn't believe it then. Right, because it I seems like not. he's doing exactly what the alien would not want him to do. Right, now, yeah. I'm trying to rationalize... This now that I've watched it, maybe for the well, team killing time. all the radio so they can't call for help. I want to so, I mean. think that at this point, <laughs> but he also Blair is like fighting the infection. He's okay. He, he, he's he's trying to keep part of his mind, but he's just like he has to go berserk. That makes more sense. And you know, obviously, it leads to a darker tone later in the films when they're saying we're not getting out of here alive. Yeah, we know what this thing is capable of. It wants to be cold. It wants to freeze and stay preserved until warmer weather and it can infect more people. So their rationale is we'll warm it up. We'll Mul- multiply up. right now while I can and just go back to sleep. For a I, while. I would <laughs> think the alien would want them to call for help. It would want more people there. Yeah. 
it's it seems like it's a very cold driven alien, which is why he heated up the copper wire. It doesn't like the heat. The heat apparently hurts it. Right. It shocks its body systems in some way. She takes and- a shot at Childs there. <laughs> Such bullshit, man. Childs just man. Now, if it was me, the first blood test that gets done is Childs. I want him untied and on my side for when I actually uncover the alien guy. <laughs> Why does every movie in existence, when they run out of bullets, they throw the gun? It yeah. kind of hurts when it's thrown it's at you. It's still like a club, though. It's an iron fist if it's in your hand. That's true. There's a point. Uh, I think we actually are past it now on this little watch through. But when they realize the blood's been, been all, you know, someone cut all the blood bags so they can't test them. Right. And Windows goes and runs for the rifle because he thinks it's scary. We're actually coming up on that, I believe. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Gary's like, drop it. You know, he's like, no, I won't. And <laughs> Gary's threat is, I'll put this through your head. And I'm thinking, wait, the the gun or the bullet? Because <laughs> that, now that's a statement. Yeah. You drive a gun through someone's head. You know what? He probably got affected when he killed the dogs. That's how I feel. Maybe because yeah, they kind of give you a little bit of a clue. It's so dark and 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 blinking, you miss it in a weird way because it's right in the foreground of the film. But when when uh, McCready goes to check on Blair and Blair's all calm and he's like, "Hey, I'm, I'm all right now, man. I can come back in. I was <laughs> I was messed up. I agree, but I'm I'm good now. I don't want to be out here anymore. I want to come inside." And just dangling in front of him is a noose. <laughs> yeah, that's some dark. That's dark. Again, the time to he's me, in there, he's just after crafting a noose. watching it for the multiple time. I think that's when the, the full takeover right. happened when Blair was still in that irrational state. He was ready to just end it before he let this thing he, do what it wanted. He didn't get to hang himself in time before the alien took over. Right. Because obviously the alien was starting to build a ship. It was starting to try and preserve itself in some form. And now he's throwing the misdirection <clears throat> because we know that Clark isn't a thing. Yeah. So he's saying, watch Clark. And he was actually throwing suspicion at Clark to begin with. He was questioning Clark, but just between the two of them. There was yeah. no one to, to, to see it. He he was suspicious to Clark, even when he was human. And the only way I can rationalize it after watching it so many times again is like, this has all been rigged from the start. Yeah, Blair had some semblance of this thing in him. He's been fighting it, but there were times when the thing took over and was causing people to start having different emotions. Talking to Clark in private could have made Clark suspicious of others because why is Blair coming to me? Is everybody else saying this behind my back? Is everybody talking about me now? So I'm going to distance myself. He is dis- He is like yeah. non-existent in most of this movie. He's almost never in the scenes. So he's like, wait, where's Blair? Yeah. What? Where's Clark, dude? No one's talking about that? <laughs> so it's causing distrust. It's just a, it's one of the crazy things about the film and, Obviously, what I'm saying, I don't know if it's fact or not. I've just watched it so many times. Some things make <laughs> sense to me that way. I like his journals. He had it everyone's reading. Blair. What's really, oh, yeah. What's really cool is they actually had some of the pages well written out for the video game when they released the Thing video game. <laughs> I remember uh, my brother playing the game and we saw like actual snippets of handwriting from the characters and stuff and how John Carpenter was throwing that passion from this movie into the game. And you were seeing, because the game took place after this, you were the recon team that hasn't heard from this base. Okay, cool. So you probably heard, even though I don't believe it should be there, but you probably heard McCready's tape. 
Yeah, you found it because okay. by that point the base was blown up. So things that were hidden are unhidden. They're kind of thrown around. It's chaos in there. Some of the base is intact. Other parts of it aren't. Yeah. But obviously in thing fashion, your team gets taken over. <clears throat> there, The plot becomes real that this thing was dormant until it heard somebody knocking at its door. Yeah. But yeah, we actually heard McCready's tapes. Kurt Russell provided extra voice lines for new tape recordings that McCready apparently left. And some of them were post this movie after he talked about the fate of Childs, what they were doing there because they were still surviving in the meantime, trying to basically be gatekeepers for this place and keep it shut up from the world and hoping that no one would hear a beacon. Right. But apparently windows reached a group according to the video game. His message was actually played at the beginning of the game. So like they heard it, they were sending a recon in tow and it was probably like, I think it was about six months to a year after they got the message. They've sent a recon team out there. Yeah, because there really was supposed to be a sequel. I mean, I, I, I've i heard something about the... Uh, it was supposed to start out with Childs and McCready both getting away, getting rescued, and <laughs> Childs being infected, and McCready trying to hunt him down. Yeah. Which really kind of takes away from the, you know, the, the question at the end. Yeah, and the true sequel was the video game, because they made McCready still alive. Yeah. He actually came back and rescued the character you played as, and it all worked out that way. But like like us like we started off the podcast, man, it's just the fact that they panned it so bad, they ruined John Carpenter's vision for any kind of sequels. Yeah, yeah. it's so unwarranted. At that point, his career was on the line, but then it hit video stores and his career was immortalized. That's when it blew up again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's just a beautiful testament that would this have been better if there were more sequels? Man, he recently auctioned off his entire VHS collection in like mystery boxes, 20 tapes per box type of deal. And the moment I saw it on the internet, I clicked on it and it was sold out. Oh, Aww. man. Yeah. If I knew about that, I probably would have been like right on there. I was going to do it. I didn't care. I was going to go broke. I was going to make a bad financial decision. <laughs> I love that that one kind of creepy, again, just just. They, they don't really go heavy on anything in this. Even the gore. The, the gore is very strategically placed. We're not looking at gory stuff the whole movie. Right. There's just points. that The line where uh, McCready's like, you know, you, you go back to the rec room and warn the others, lock it down, and, and me and for me and Nalls are going to go up to my shack. And Nalls is like, well, why are we going to your shack? Well, because I turned the lights off yesterday when I left, and it cuts up, and you see the lights on yeah. in the shack. And right. it, it sets up <laughs> such a creepy tone, and we don't even ever see them go to the shack. No. <laughs> that- we see them come back because Nalls claimed he found a shred of McCready's clothing in the fireplace of McCready's shack. Right. So he came back as fast as he can ahead of McCready, cut the line, abandoned him. Now, to me, again, my theory is is that that was the work of Blair. He wanted to throw suspicion on the one guy who was actually battling against him. Okay, so you think Blair set the evidence? And it was clear sense, Blair yeah. was tunneling through the shit. Blair had access yeah. to yeah. get out of the shed. We know that. Now. He, he, was, he was accessing everything, so... Why not go in there, rip apart the clothes? Because he heard McCready say earlier, this thing takes us over. It sheds its clothes or it sheds its human skin. Yeah. Right. I love it. Even there, There's a scene where Jed, 
we're calling him apparently. Uh, <laughs> uh, it just kind of walks into a room and you see the silhouette of a guy on the on the bed, and that's where we're supposed to believe that's the first guy that gets infected. You just you don't know who it is. You just see the silhouette, right? And looking into it, <clears throat> it's no one in this movie. It's a stunt guy. It's an extra. John Carpenter threw that guy in front of the camera. He wanted to leave the suspicion of who it was, right, yeah. with a silhouette of someone that doesn't match any of the didn't, body types. Didn't there. resemble the rest right. of anybody else in the. It's but kind it of was cheating. someone. <laughs> but again, that that's where I just think it happened to Blair from the start. I don't like some of the um, the transitions, what? Uh, like the black and white uh, or, or fade outs. I mean, well, sort of in a way, it, like what. I was just talking about where he's like, we have to go check my shed because I, I didn't turn the lights off or I turned the lights off yesterday. It then cuts to them taking like a step towards the shed and right. then immediately we're back in the, the base and they're like, you know, where's Nalls and, and McCready? Yeah. They've been gone for 45 minutes. Yeah. It's like immediate. Yeah. It doesn't feel natural. They, you get confused watching it the first time because it's like, wait, they just walked away and we cut back to the base and they've been gone for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and now McCready's definitely an alien. Like, What? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just meant to confuse us or make us feel disoriented because yeah, the whole the whole time it's just constant mis- I, misleads. I can't yeah. <laughs> tell if this was the course of one night or like multiple nights. I think it was actually like two or three nights worth because you know when it first happened, they found it. They did the autopsy. McCready was in his shack doing right. his thing, mm-hmm. and then you know it starts amping up from there. So. Yeah, you don't quite ever see anybody going to bed or anything. I can't say yeah. I'm familiar with the timeline, but <laughs> yeah. McCready's clearly not sleeping. He he has yeah. he already has that paranoia in, and his survival instincts kicking in. But all around, beautifully well done. '80s horror <laughs> usually is gimmicky, cheesy, <laughs> and somehow this is just really well put together amidst all of those other ones that were it raving makes, successes. Yeah. Makes you yeah. feel like it could really happen, which is scary. I think Anytime. that's the beauty right, yeah. of, of yeah. horror movies when they can nail that. And it's the hardest thing to get right, as far as I'm concerned. I feel like you get more of the campy horror so, than anything else. Does anybody wonder about the origin of the alien? Like, aside from it coming to Earth on a spaceship, do you think that spaceship belonged to this alien, or did the alien take over that spaceship? In so many ways, <laughs> this was considered a sequel to the 1950s story that was written about the thing. Right. Since John Carpenter was simply... I don't know a whole lot about that one. He was doing an adaptation from... Who Goes There? Yeah. Yeah, from that. By Don A. Stewart. Which was one of the people that uh, denounced the film, <laughs> John Carpenter's film. So, again... He was trashed on all ends from the founders, yeah. the creators of the original story. They were like, this isn't our vision. We hate this. What? Yeah. Yeah. He was alive? <laughs> one of the writers was. I don't think the one you mentioned. The, the guy who wrote the original short story, Who who Goes There, that, that, that you know, the thing from another planet, and then this one is, is made after. Yeah. If he I wrote just, it in the 50s, I'd be amazed if he watched it in 82. <laughs> I, I know one of the original later. parties to like the ones that ended up in episodes of a TV show that had the same kind of vibe and stuff. They were considered some of the originals. Okay. They said that this film was nothing like what they had. They don't agree with how it was ran. All that stuff. I disagree with the creators then. 
because, <laughs> because theirs had held up so well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, they were probably focused on, oh, it's violent. Oh, it's gory. When we made this in the 50s, you could barely do anything. Yeah, you weren't allowed to do that TV. kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, smacking people on TV was more of the norm for 50s movies. And yeah. stuff. <laughs> a stern slap. Yeah. <laughs> Get a hold of yourself. I remember Barbara Walters tries to call Sean Connery out on uh, slapping women. Oh, God. She's like, hey, do you still? She, like, it was a couple of years after he had made the comment. And she's like, you don't. She's like trying to set him up to, like, you know, apologize for it. Like, no, right, I don't want yeah. to do that. And he's just like, yeah. You know, you get mouthy. What do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, you get a little slap to straighten you out. Oh, if, you, if you mouth <laughs> off at me, I, I think you, you deserve a little slappy. <laughs> Uh, one big problem I have with these scientists, yeah, is the I think we touched on it a little bit, but when when they're when they're doing the the actual test with the, with the hot the hot poker, you know, the hot needle, right? And Windows goes around and cuts everybody's thumb. Oh God! Uh-huh. With the same damn scalpel, and we see he's cleaning it by rubbing he's it on his jeans. Wiping it on his jeans. You've yeah. just given everybody the virus, by the way. <laughs> well, yeah. when you mentioned the poster, <laughs> that's why it's all not the same. When but, you mentioned that poster, McCready's testing. Uh huh. It was all mixed up at that point. Right. Yeah. 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 McCready was probably the one that was the most sanitized about the whole thing with burning his little metal piece every time in between. Yeah. Man, that blood probably stunk. You ever just burned (laughs) blood? I haven't. I don't know. I can only imagine. I couldn't imagine it smells any better than when your hair gets burnt. It smells a little like that. When he, when he tests coppers, who, who's already dead at this point, they're just kind of testing the dead bodies. When he tests coppers, it makes a bubble and it like blows up onto his other hand and it's so gross. <laughs> That's what I mean. They didn't wear gloves. They didn't wear protection. They did Everyone's infected. I don't care. No. Well, Kurt Russell kind of has a natural uh, immunity to some of this stuff because of that mullet. <laughs> yeah. They can't get past the hat either. Well, he just... What, was it L.A. or New York he just escaped from prior to this? <laughs> New York. Yeah, so the hair was already a protection there. It's it's doing him a solid here. He just wanted to go to Antarctica and get away from that madness. Imagine his character's... I wonder yeah. what made them... His character's alias is Snake Plissken. Yeah. <laughs> he just escaped from New York and now he's in, in Antarctica. <laughs> I wonder what made Carpenter and uh, Kurt Russell break up. Because they were kind of like the Tim Burton, Johnny Depp. Yeah, kind of. They they did, probably did, broke up intentionally just because they don't want to get that, that stigma like they're fa- ones being favorited by somebody. Maybe. There was never really any documentation of a falling out. Yeah. It seems like maybe just contracts ran up. There were other projects. Maybe, yeah. I suppose so. I just I think back. I'm thinking of Keith David again. I'm thinking back to They Live, oh yeah, with uh, Roddy Roddy Piper, who's yeah. great in that movie, and it's special for its own reason. It's one of those, you know, so bad it's good. Yeah, but that feels like that role was written for Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's one of the things we used to talk about a lot is who could have been this one, who could have been in that one. Like it feels like not could have been, but was supposed to be. Right. <laughs> it definitely feels like that was supposed to be a Russell joint. I forget who they said. I remember something about who was going to be Kurt Russell's character, but I don't remember. I know uh, Jeff Bridges was supposed was one considered for that part. That's kind of a either or fit. Not, wait, yeah. Yeah, we never know how <laughs> like casting options would have changed how these films were perceived. Right. But all I know is they got a beautiful formula when when they got everybody finally in. They got this 
director situation where they ran through different directors for different departments and got it all settled up. I love Childs, Gary, and uh, Nalls when they're still tied up and Palmer starts freaking out, you know, because his blood failed. And he's like grows and starts whipping around and they're just the whole action scene of them trying to burn him and, and McCready's torch not working and windows not even trying. It just you got those three on those chairs just let me the cat they're just screaming like 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 little girls terrified and it fits, of course. Yeah. We can't do anything and this thing is becoming bigger and bigger. It was just a little touch I noticed this last time watching, I really enjoyed. You kind of focus in on just those three going nuts. <laughs> And, of course, uh, Gary's great line. I don't know the actor's name, but I'm, I'm sure I've seen him in, like, 40, I think, 40 Twilight Zone episodes. <laughs> uh, the guy who plays Gary. But he has that great delivery of, like, I know you gentlemen have been through a lot. But if you don't mind, if you get some time, I would like not to spend the entire winter in this fucking couch. Or tied <laughs> yeah. to this fucking couch. <laughs> yeah. What a bad idea that was, too. You're you're like focusing on trying to figure out which one of them is the is the monster, but you're burning the blood right in front of them, and they're all tied to each other. Yes. Yeah, the whole thing was bad. They did not think when any you do of that figure through. it out, the rest are screwed. <laughs> <laughs> At least for sure, Windows. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Windows was was kind of a quitter, huh? He just. He saw the thing change and he's like, nah, I'm, I'm going to put this down here. I'm going to step back. Yeah, I mean, everybody else kind of had a job to do. And Windows' job was radio guy. And, yeah, you know, you it didn't know. really wow us with his expertise in this film. You know, Childs being the mechanic, McCree, the pilot, he's like, the guys that can throw wrenches, they got this. You know, I'm I'm, I'm going to let them handle it. <laughs> so which, which character in this movie could have been played by Christopher Walken? <laughs> Gary. <laughs> Oh, Gary. so yeah. Gary. Christopher so Walken Gary. is the ex-army officer with the pistol. Yeah, I can see that. I think Gary. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we need to start getting some ending thoughts together on this here. <laughs> I hate the driving in that direction. <laughs> I did love this scene right here, though. Yeah, he, he. I think he made a very clear stance when, <laughs> when he came back in from being almost frozen to death that he wanted people to give him some space. <laughs> yeah. They're all like, we're going to burn you. He's like, uh, but I have dynamite. <laughs> Go ahead and try. <laughs> yeah. He's been through some things, you know, he, he's dealing <laughs> yeah. with some stuff and he just, he needs, he needs space. And I think that's what he was politely saying when he had the dynamite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. He's, and he kind of laughs. He's like, I'll blow his all up. Like, it's, he's so serious and losing it. Like, good luck burning me while I'm holding this. A little after that, he, he goes full the Joker. Like, there's <laughs> other things going on, and he's in the background of the scene, and he's still kind of just smiling and dancing the little the torch next to the thermite. Yeah, and yeah. he's in the background. He's not even the main part and of the scene. And he is getting awful close to that fuse he the puts whole it time. Close. <laughs> like, he slipped just a little bit. That They're all gone boom. Yeah, I mean, if we had to pick favorite scene. That right, I like that right there. They were going after him. They were going to torch him. I'm still on board for like some of the quote was, unquote final reveals in the blood test. I think that's just such a cool. That was good. That was a, it's, it's like a cool insanely moment. suspenseful scene. Yeah, that one's really good. Um, I, I like this scene when they're trying to revive him. And this had the most comes, effect on you. Yeah, this is sure. my favorite scene. <laughs> Revival. The chest just opens oh, up. Yeah. His arms get bitten off. We're all good with that. <laughs> <laughs> I I think for me it's the end. 
I love the not knowing, but knowing, but not knowing. Like everybody has their theories. Like, well, if you look, Childs doesn't have breath. And and McCready does you'd see online. Or- yeah, I, he- I heard that argument too. Yeah, but let's let's not forget Jed had an incredible scene too. Jed was amazing when he went into that dog cage. Yeah, that yeah, and focus <laughs> just instant focus on on where that alien was. All the animals did early <laughs> yeah. well when they were just you know following the direction. They they made it look like it was a natural occurrence of they didn't want to go near it. Norris, Norris next to the noose, creepily just. I'm, I'm better, man. I'm good. Yeah, Blair. That was Blair. Ba- Blair. That, damn it. That scene where that chest burst thing happened and he bit that guy's arms off. You know the per- the the double that they had in that scene was an actual amputee. That that's, makes sense. That's why it looks so good. Save some money on green screen. <laughs> yeah. You know they actually so had sad. an entire uh, stop motion scene in this movie that you can still watch on YouTube. Really? Oh, yeah. I bet John Carpenter hated that. He, he <laughs> probably. <laughs> they they came to him with the idea and he said, yeah, let's give it a shot. And they paid a lot of money and shot the entire, you know, stop motion takes a long time. Yeah. 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 And for as good as it looks, Carpenter luckily had the foresight to be like, you know, this is going to age it. We're just going to take it out. And yeah. it was a huge decision to just decide, you know, all this money the studio just spent. Ah, I'm not going to put it in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. This has to be the best scene for me. It's so turns good. into a spider. <laughs> spider head. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's the ending. I love the the uh, just not knowing. It's fun. Even, yeah, knowing. right right up until the credits roll, you're just like guessing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know Wilford Brimley was in this movie until the credits roll. <laughs> Pre-diabetic. He was, yeah. he was actually doing really well for himself. Yeah. He had a good career. He was strong in this movie, too. My gosh. Yeah. Everybody oh, yeah. he was throwing off and beating up. <laughs> McCready gives him one good one good sock to the jaw. Wielding that axe like it was a toothpick. Didn't you believe that scene when he jumped up and just yeah. nailed him in the face? <laughs> I think Windows is the one that said, Nice shot, McCready. <laughs> yeah. Way to go, way to punch that old man, McCready. <laughs> the quick adapting of, of this alien was really amazing. I don't like and this is maybe because I just missed something, but when 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 it gets down to it's Childs, Nalls, uh, Gary, and McCready. Everyone right. else is either dead or, you know, like Blair missing and for sure an alien. <laughs> Nalls, Gary, and McCready all go to test Blair. And they say to Childs, hey, we're going to go test Blair. Why? Why do they, if there's just four of you, why do three need to split up? Yeah, really. Why can't all four of you go to test Blair? And that from that moment on, we won't see Childs again until the end where he's like, no, I'm totally human. <laughs> Biggest mistake in all movies is split up. Yes. In all horror movies. Because <laughs> first off, it's it's like I expected like- at this point in every horror movie. Nals doesn't die. <laughs> I feel like in real life, that's your biggest mistake. I think make. I think that was all planned intended for a sequel. You got, you got Nals that just disappeared. Yeah, Nals never dies. The other two that survived at the end or apparently survived at the end. And then just that leaves room for the sequels. You got Nalls that disappeared as yeah. the monster, and the other two were going to fight him in the next movie. <laughs> you don't want Childs to be it, man. He's just such a cool character. Yeah. Oh, my God. When he just no-scope, <laughs> yeah. 360 no-scope blasts Clark through the forehead like that, yeah. that's, a, that's a solid scene. He gave Clark the first <laughs> warning when he said, that's close enough. Yeah. 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 I like that Clark was doing... Because you could think, oh, maybe he's the alien, but no, he... It, it it makes sense that he's the dog handler because yeah. he's handling the situation like you would with a violent dog. 
you know, calm it down. No, it's okay. Get closer. Right. And yeah. they try to get closer to so can grab him. Yeah, he was definitely treating it like that. Yeah. yeah. All right. I if we're doing <laughs> ratings, because we usually do the least favorite scene. I don't have one. Uh, <laughs> no, everything fits so well. I There's- feel like it had its place. I wasn't really in moments of like, oh, this is dull or this is falling yeah, flat. Yeah. I I really enjoyed the whole experience. When there is, wasn't anything exciting happening, it was still keeping you involved with the suspense. Yep. And obviously, all these years later, you're still like, what's the story behind this? Yeah. <laughs> Practical <laughs> effects even hold up still. They still look good. <laughs> I feel like it's a nine. That's, yeah. That's yeah. about where I'm nine? at. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nine. Nine for sure. It is... Such bullshit that this <laughs> this bombed when it came out. Yeah. Being one it's, of the two real horror fans out of the group, no disrespect to you guys. I feel like it's a nine as well. It's it's yeah. solid. It's up there in my list of niche horror films that I love going back see, to and watching. See that. That's why it has a nine. It doesn't have a ten. Well, right yeah. there. No, no one sees. The bloodborne <laughs> pathogens that are being spread from knife to knife yeah. is famous. <laughs> yes. Blood test scene, <laughs> yeah, where they're not sanitizing the blade after each use. No, they're not genes. doing that. He has it on his hands, right there. No gloves. No gloves. AIDS already came out. We already knew all these things. Yeah. He, he cuts himself <laughs> to donate the blood too, which I couldn't have done that. I, I couldn't run a scalpel through my own thumb like that. It, I my mind would not allow me to I, do it. <laughs> I had to at the age of ten. It's how I was able to promote myself. See, they aren't labeled. Yeah. yeah. On the background, they yeah. are labeled. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't know. It's, it's just cool. This it is like my something. worst. Like I hate this scene the most, but it's just for those reasons. And you think right here when Windows is stepping back, it's Big like, red oh hairy. shit, it's yep. happening. <laughs> you freak out. Yeah, he kind of like molds himself into that Kubrick stare. Yeah. <laughs> but then the scene wins you back when the alien comes popping out of the petri dish. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and Windows oh. is free and clear. So I guess it would be a good time to say our picks for next episode. Ah. Oh, boy. Picks I know everybody next has episode. theirs ready to go. Are Mine we do- are is we the do man do in the iron mask. The- Ooh, oh. another Malkovich swing. She is trying like hell to get John Malkovich back <laughs> in this podcast. I'm oh, all man. for it. <laughs> oh, the man in the iron mask, huh? I love that movie. All right, Bob, what's your pick? I'm thinking I'm still kind of fumbling back and forth putting two in my head okay well i'll give you, you some you're time gonna, you're gonna yeah <laughs> i put up for for tribute <laughs> the running man the running man huh? that's a good one too. oh yeah you haven't had damn i can hardly like even feel like it's that old the running man yeah i just the, the I dance or the movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes is his answer <laughs> I believe you're correct. That would be the answer for both of those things. <laughs> uh, I want to go a little bit more modern because I, I want to throw yeah. in a pick here. I'm, I want to go with 1999's The 13th Warrior. Oh, that one's that's good. a good one. Antonio <laughs> Banderas. Yeah. That was good. Um, Christopher Walken in The Prophecy. Oh, the prophecy? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I like I like that Bob always says the actor, which is the reason I'm picking it first. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned his name in the last yeah. two episodes, so I kind of had wanted to pick something. It's been yeah. build up. <laughs> I kind of mm, oh. I kind of want to watch 13th Warrior. <laughs> yeah, 
You're going to vote against yourself this time? <laughs> I don't know. It's four choices. I'm actually, if you notice, the last time I put the Twitter thing up, I didn't even say whose picks were whose. No, yeah. Because I don't oh, want that yeah, to, yeah, yeah. I don't even want that to kind of like spoil influence. it or influence it at all. Right. I just put up the four choice, you know, three choices, but. Like the only way you know is if you listen to the podcast. Yeah. If you listen to the podcast, you know which one of us wanted what. If not, just pick the movie you want it. Exactly. You want to see. <laughs> All right, wait a minute. Run those by me again. I got the prophecy. What was yours again? Me? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Maverick or some shit. No. <laughs> it was, uh... All right, Maverick. No, 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 Running Man. Okay, that's right, all right. I believe we have the man in the iron mask, right? Mm-hmm. And then the 13th warrior. Okay. I'll write them down so I can remember this later on. Yeah. All right, well, for all the things we missed, didn't talk about, big glaring holes we just completely missed. Uh, Watch the movie. Movies, movies against time at gmail.com <laughs> to let us know what, what, what James screwed up on. Yeah, just let me know all the inconsistencies and how I can do better next time, and I will totally disregard it <laughs> and say duly noted in the comments. Send all your complaints to James at home PC. <laughs> <laughs> if you like what you heard, subscribe or follow on your podcast app. We put out episodes every other Wednesday or Thursday, depending on which one you want it to be. You just hope for Wednesday. If you want it to be Wednesday, it'll probably happen. If you want Thursday, though, it might it's happen a then, guarantee. too. Put it on the <laughs> well, if, if you go looking for a new episode on Wednesday and it's not there, just go back to one of our older ones. Yeah, or check back at around six-ish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're making Eastern. them feel really good about this, huh? Yeah, <laughs> so consistent. Hey, but we are. It's every two weeks. We're, we're, we're sure never miss a beat. Uh, yeah, and we're pretty consistent within 48 hours. Yes. <laughs> We're not good enough to like deliver pizza, but we can <laughs> yeah. for sure keep your lawn mowed. No, we would lose well, the money. If it's to not come on time on Wednesday, time. it's free. Yeah. Pizza dude's got <laughs> Notable yep. that movies against time is free wherever you get your own podcast. <laughs> Except for Iowa. Iowa, it's actually ten cents per play. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird thing in Iowa. I don't know why their taxes are so weird. <laughs> rules is rules. I rules is rules. I did not know that. Don't hate the player, hate the game. For sure. Did we say the Instagram and Twitter? We did. No, we didn't. I felt like if I just say we did, then we did. No, we movies did. against <laughs> on Instagram, at Movies Against on Twitter. For any announcements or upcoming picks or also to, to vote. The the polls on Twitter. You can also vote in the comments on Instagram. Email. You can follow James at twitch.james slash home PC. Did, did I get it? Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> Twitch.tv slash James Autumn. Twitter at the James Autumn. And I will tell you my pick and you can vote for my pick and help me win because I'm right. <laughs> I'm going to just drop into his Discord with constant barrage. No, I actually kind of want to watch 13th Warriors. So I'm not going to. I'm going to play out. Oh, I'm, I'm at Dustin the Holmes on Twitter. <laughs> All right. Till next time.